Hi, and welcome to episode 417 of the MWA podcast. I'm Kyle, and I'm joined by my co-hosts, Sean and Mark. Today, we're visiting with Matt Weta, a professional woodworker, North Bennett School Street instructor, a contributor to Fine Woodworking Magazine, and owner of River City Furniture. So welcome to the show, Matt. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's great, and can't wait to uh, find out everything you've been up to, and I want to give a big shout out to Rex Hansen for helping us get you on the show. Absolutely. Yeah. We chatted this morning about it and this huh. afternoon about it. <laughs> All right. Sounds great. Yep. Well, let's dip our toes in the woodworking news. So first off, kind of a sad um, thing is the passing of Dave Sawyer, who uh, died last week. And uh, we want to give a big, you know, our uh, big heartfelt condolences out to all of his uh, friends and family. He was a true pioneer in uh, green woodworking and Windsor chair making and, you know, inspired and taught and was a mentor to so many. And just check out there on the web and you'll see all kinds of folks uh, from Elia Bazzari to uh, Peter Galbert to Chris Swartz, Peter Fallensbury, on and on that have Curtis given him the praises. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. So, and um, he's fantastic. You know, his son George has kind of taken over the the chair making business, um, but uh, you know, Dave was a true pioneer. And one of the things that uh, you know everyone says is he was willing to share everything he had plans, techniques, tools, all that kind of stuff. So he was truly, truly uh, one in a million when it comes to doing stuff like that. So anyway, now hearts and uh, prayers go out to his friends and family. So absolutely. But back to better news, we got a couple of classes going on. So um, Lost Art Press has published their uh, 2023 class schedule there at the uh, storefront. Um, so if you want to take a class there and, um, uh, they have a bunch of them coming up. So starting in January, they have, uh, some stick chairs with Chris Schwartz. Uh, of course, uh, Megan's going to be teaching some saw bench classes and a anarchist tool chest. And Chris, of course, is going to teach some more chairs and Megan's going to do the Dutch tool chest and Chris with some more chairs. So, um, check that out over at lost artpress.com and uh, they have a blog post now um they always sell out pretty quickly on this so registration opens september 26th so that's uh right after we publish this podcast at 10 a.m be there you know have two browsers open keep hitting refresh and uh you'll eventually see the register now buttons for each class so keep your credit uh, card handy yeah mm -hmm. exactly so Get in there and get those classes. But uh, those are truly great classes. And if you haven't experienced taking a class there in Covington with uh, Chris or uh, Megan and the gang, um, it is absolutely fantastic experience. They, uh, they take care of you during the class, after the class, before the class. It's a real first class operation. Awesome. Awesome. That was a good, Kyle. I saw what you did there. Oh, you did? Okay. Good. <laughs> good. 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 And uh, speaking of classes, our uh, friend uh, Jason Gallagher has some uh, classes coming up in late 2022, and these are chairmaking classes. And uh, I think this is the first time Jason's uh, teaching classes. I know he's he's helped out a bunch of folks, uh, you know, uh, teach classes, but I think this is the first time he's delved into it. But uh, he has three classes coming up. He has a fan back side chair in October and a continuous armchair in November. 
and a double bobbin sackback chair in December. So uh, the prices are relatively reasonable. And the interesting thing is he is located in, in Northern California. So hmm. sometimes it's hard for, you know, those budding chair makers, especially out there in the West Coast, to, uh, to find classes. So he's given a great opportunity to uh, go and learn from uh, a, a great chair maker. So check that out if you're interested in a class in the West Coast area. Um, I think we got everything covered now. You know, a few years ago, all the classes were on the East Coast and you had mm -hmm. to go East to take a woodworking class. But uh, now we have some here in the, uh, in the central area of the country. And now we actually have some chair making in the West Coast. That's so, awesome. Uh, that I, like, is... I mean, and really not, not bad. I noticed in there, you know, all tools are provided. Feel free to bring your own. Mm -hmm. But that's that's a nice feature for something like that if you're getting in and, mm -hmm. you know, you know, not making anything Windsor before. I don't have the tool set to do that, but I'd, yep. that'd be an awesome opportunity. Yep. And it looks like he's using um, Curtis's uh, designs mm -hmm. for all these, and you can buy the plans if you, they're in the class too, if you want to have a set of those plans. And I know those are done, of course, by Jeff Lefkowitz, who does some fantastic mm -hmm. work with the plans. So um, that's a highlight too. So heck yeah. 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 So it's easy to go in there, build a chair, and then, you know, have plans if you need to go ahead and complete that set of dining chairs. So, all righty. Well, let's move on. Uh, do we have someone to, sh to uh, thank for our Patreon supporters? Yeah, we always like to have those people in here. We need more. So come on, come on board. Right now, today, we're going to give a big shout out to our Patreon supporter, Colin Anderson. Colin, thank you for your support. And if you, dear listener, would like to support us like Colin did, Go, uh, go to patreon.com slash MWA podcast. Throw us a couple shekels there. Be like Colin. Be like Colin. Colin's a good guy. Exactly. Thank you, Colin. <laughs> and uh, let's move on to what's in the shop. So, Mark, what are you working on? If I don't know already. I, yeah, I mean, what else? Shape horses. Um, <laughs> these, uh, I, you know, when you, when you can only work two hours a day, it, it really is hard to get stuff out of the shop. So, um, but yeah, it's... Um, but we're getting close. They're they're nearing the finish line. I glued up the the treadles, mm -hmm. two of the treadles this afternoon. I've got to hit the shop tonight before I go to bed and glue up two more. Just the glue will be dry, and um, and then I'm gonna start prepping some for shipping, uh, probably tomorrow, so or the next day. So that'll be good. I'm I'm past the fabrication stage for the most part. It's it's now making it look pretty. Mm. and uh, fitting the wedges and you know little things like that the last leg if you yes yes the fourth leg of the three-legged shape horse is what's happening now <laughs> okay <laughs> there you go <laughs> now now i have to ask you so uh how's that uh pinhead video coming it's coming okay. i i've i've got i'm up to episode 13 just public that'll go out either thursday morning or friday it'll be out um at right. uh, joineffort.net so uh, yes, it's under the learn tab. If you uh, click on that, you can you can look at the foundations feed videos, which is just the basics, and then you can also go to the the shape horse video series. So we're working, still working on the swing arm. Um, I've got to edit the last video in that for that part, which is cutting the tapered mortise through the top of the head. So um, and then we'll move on to the head. And that's the mm -hmm. part you're waiting on, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, that's, that's, that's what I got to add to mine. So, yeah, I I've been I've been practicing uh, just being like brutally uh, brutal about my editing and just cutting out as much as I can um, because I just you know 
I want to go in depth and I want to cover everything, but I don't want to waste people's time. So, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, and, you know, with the with the video project that's coming up next year, I, I need to be very good with that because there's going to be a lot of stuff to film and, and put up. So, well, cool. Yeah. Very cool. So, Sean, what are you working on? Whole bunch of stuff. Uh, let Let's start with AC repair. Um, nice, relaxing Sunday afternoon. My wife notices that you know it's not getting any cooler in here. Oh. The AC's running, but it's not getting cooler. The old nest is blue, but it's not getting cooler. I'm like, oh, okay, let me see. Uh, condenser's not making much noise. Uh, the compressor outside sounds weird. Huh. <laughs> oh, I found out one of my uh, one of the connectors on. Actually, I would say the the compressor wasn't running at all. The fan was, mm -hmm. and uh. I open it up and I find that one of the wires on the capacitor had spit itself off the capacitor. Ooh, okay. Um, so that, so it wasn't that, a capacitor that went bad. It was no, the capacitor was good. It was discharged, huh. which yeah. I found. Uh, uh, but it was it. I, I my my theory is that a uh, spider-sized squirrel stepped on the transformer, <laughs> you know, and threw a spark, and it yeah. it pissed off a wire and it it spit itself off. Uh, that was in the end. That was a simple fix of putting a new end on on wire and terminating it properly on a new new tab of the capacitor. And thankfully, it it turned back up. I mentioned to my wife, you know, maybe it's time to get a new air conditioner. This one's pushing thirty years old. Yep, it and is. And she she told me to shut up and okay. uh, <laughs> and quit talking about it. So uh, not yet. I I, I fixed it. Um, and then yep. uh, we we got the chance this past weekend to go out and see uh, my my youngest son's in the marching band, and he went to this band kind of a invitational performance about an hour out of town at another another big school, and the Ohio University College Band showed up, and hmm. they marched their big old band onto the field and started the event by playing the national anthem, and it was better than the recordings you hear at any other high school game or any other time you hear a wow. recording. It was awesome to be like yeah. on the track level right in yeah. front of those instruments you know just booming their noise mm -hmm. that was that was cool so so this was ohio state band no ohio university the ohio. bobcats oh oh okay so you didn't OU, throw anything not ohio with state. no 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 i think <laughs> at the, that same night ohio state was yeah. uh in their own stadium playing some football game playing okay that, okay know. so the it, the funny thing ou is a mac school yeah um and they don't often travel their bands. Okay, it's just a smaller or affair, you know, mm -hmm. different different things. But they they had the opportunity to come out there, and it was really really neat. And our band sounded really good too. But their band was wow, that's awesome. But it's funny because when they got out, they, they we saw them kind of hats off, undressed, walking by, mm -hmm. and they still look like high school kids. <laughs> a bunch of college band nerds still look like they they could be in high school, uh, in my estimation at least. And then on to our bees, we. We had the the hive that swarmed. Yes. We checked on them a couple weeks later, hoping that they made, remade a queen. We found emptied queen cells, but no queen to be had. So we rush ordered a new queen and installed a new queen. We don't mm -hmm. know how she's doing. That's only been a few days. Although four days later, we went to check to see if she was released yet. And a bee found a way to sting my earlobe through my, my veil. I wow. I I would I leaned over and something must have creased just right and that guard like the fat of my earlobe was hmm. stung and so that was like having an ear infection for three days in swelling. Oh. It sucked. <laughs> it totally sucked. Were you, were you able to get the stinger out right away? Or did you have to just let it sit there? Because funny enough, um, I was about 
20 minutes in, but still 10 minutes away from being done. And so I was just kind of wincing with uh, the uncomfortable feeling of that thing being in there. And one, one guard was still buzzing around my head. I had to take a couple laps around the yard to get, get that one free. Uh, there's a whole, I have another theory on that, but by the time I, I got up to the house and I didn't hear a bee around me, I tossed the stuff off, you know, my veil off, my gloves off. I walked in the inside. I said, can you see where it stung? And my wife goes, yeah, the stinger's still in it. Mm. <laughs> I went, well, could you get that out for me, please? Oh, <laughs> it's too late. <laughs> you oh yeah. Notes, my man. Oh yeah. I got yeah. the whole, the whole kit. Um, well, well please, uh, please tell me you have outdoor security cameras. Oh, I mean, I do. <laughs> I do. I should find it. If yes. I can find a clip of me just pissed off on my porch, just throwing my stuff to the side, or 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 maybe walking briskly away while a single bee is chasing me. Yes, <laughs> I'll see what I, I could do. A new, like a new YouTube channel for you. This is there's oh something my god, there. no, Sean yeah. gets no, hung and like just over and over again. <laughs> no. So, no, so here's here's my theory. I've gotten stung twice this year, and I run. Sunday mornings, I run long on Sunday mornings. The two times I've gotten stung, and we've checked on our bees multiple, multiple times, are days that I didn't shower after my run before going out there. So I'm probably putting off some mean pheromones mm-hmm. that they don't like. That's that's having, okay, fool me once, you know, fool me twice. This is the twice. I'm not doing that again. I'm going to be squeaky clean next time I go and check on those bees. The bees call it pheromones. We just call it B.O. I know. Yeah. And it's, it's, (laughs) you just think it's, it's sweat. I mean, I worked out, it wasn't like sedentary BO, you know, it's not unclean BO. It's the fact that I, I ran for two hours. That's not high school BO. Yes. There you go. It's (laughs) middle-aged BO. (laughs) Yeah. Well, there's one guy at my gym that if he came to your bees, he would probably be swarmed (laughs) anyway. No, so (sighs) that uh, lots of, lots of fun stuff. Lots of, lots of, it'll, you know, Interesting things. Kyle, how about you? I heard you met somebody or had a meetup at your house. Yes, yes. Uh, Blake Laurie came by uh, yesterday, matter of fact. Um, actually came by Sunday and dropped his trailer off. He needed a place to to keep it. And um, he was having a little family get together on Galveston Island. So mm. he went and met up with the family and did all that kind of stuff. And uh, then came back uh, yesterday and we got to meet up and I gave him the nickel tour and then he picked up the trailer and he, I think he also picked up a humongous planer. So (laughs) (laughs) there was a, yeah, there's a guy in Houston that was uh, getting rid of a bunch of equipment. And one of it was, I'm not sure if it's a 20 inch or 25 inch wide powermatic planer, but it's a, it's a beast, whatever it is, but yeah, he's going to use it for seat blank. So that's a seat planer right there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. exactly so uh yeah so he picked that up and uh it was real nice meeting up with him and his family he's got a lovely family um and it was absolutely fantastic uh we had a great time visiting with him and we're gonna have to get up to waco one of these one of these days and uh see a shop and all that kind of stuff I was oh, is that where the, he's where he's based yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. near waco yeah. yeah i was kind of embarrassed to show him my shop knowing what his <laughs> looks like but you know <laughs> As he says, I teach classes. Mine is, you know, to invite people in. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I, so, I was fortunate enough to visit his shop in the spring. And yeah, it's a great setup. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So anyway, uh, but that was in, that, in, in the geography of, of Texas. How, how bad is Waco to Houston and back or Galveston? Um, it's about, I don't know, six hours, something like okay. that. That's uh, not too bad. There yeah. and back or just each way? Each way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, it depends. You, you might be able to do it in five. It's, yeah. 
yeah but austin austin's about five hours from me from here and waco's about an hour north of there but mm -hmm. it's more north you wouldn't drive through austin to get to waco if i left but yeah just to give you some idea of where it is but you know come to find out that's a big old state you live in there kyle yeah it is pretty big if, but, that, if that's about eight hours ten hours gets me to iowa yeah <laughs> But besides that, we've been having some grinder. Uh, my partner Patrick, that grinds all all, oh, no. all our bits. Yeah, we had a grinder go down on us. It's kind of working, but um, it's really put a. It's really slowed up our our grinding of the bits, and uh, hopefully, I think he's going to have enough to fulfill all my orders and get those shipped out to me this weekend. So hopefully, I can get those orders. Anybody listening? Hopefully, they'll be out the uh, weekend afterwards so if you're hearing this on the saturday the podcast comes out hopefully shortly after that uh, your order will ship um and then um but you know we've been addressing the the grinder that we're using as one of these super sophisticated grinders it's actually meant for sharpening um end mills but in talking with the manufacturer it's a small operation but um i don't know if you've ever seen some of those uh dc grinders that some of the turners use um uh, but anyway anyway it's the same, yeah, same they, company that makes those makes this one okay yeah yeah and so, obviously an an interruption to the production but i mean is this a yeah was but this thing lo like long in life and or is this no totally no it's 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 relatively new. It's probably a year, year and a half old, I would say, something like that. Probably a year and a mm. half, maybe two. Mm. But um, they're shipping out a new motor uh, unit to us. Nice. So hopefully um, um, they'll uh, Patrick will have that in a couple of days. You know, apparently they started a whole, um, what they call the Patrick Project there to see <laughs> what his issues were. Because we use that grinder in a little bit different ways than it was, you know, designed for always but, good yeah you know that's a good company that's going to kind of go oh well oh, yeah. i understand not as intended but we'd yeah. like to better make it, it it's a it's a small canadian company so um but you guys are cool. discovering a whole new market for them mm -hmm. <laughs> exactly exactly you know? yeah and you know you should see i mean the grinders ama amazing you know we actually use uh the the grinding wheels we use are actually pointed so they're not a flat uh, surface on it you know a flat front on the surface is actually mm -hmm. comes to a point i forgot what the degree of angle is but it allows us to do you know some of those uh grinds to do the triton and stiletto bits that are pretty interesting but uh the woes just continue so sunday my dishwasher went out i mean not dishwasher washing machine um went out and uh so i was looking at it and i was like okay what's wrong with it hopefully it's just a belt and I took it apart and there was grease at the bottom of it. And I'm like, okay, there looks like the bearing went out or maybe something wrong with the transmission, but it's a 12 year old washing machine. So it really wasn't worth fixing. So let's order a new one. So I ordered a new one on Tuesday. Uh, they were going to deliver it today. So I went and pulled the old washing machine out and I have a slow leak behind the wall. So that was fun to discover yeah um yeah so anyway luckily uh at the bottom of this uh where we have our washing machine uh the flooring was just some pill and stick tile so i was able to pop all those off turn the water off then um, i'm gonna let everything dry out for a few days spray everything down with clorox um i just capped the uh the leak for right now and once i get everything dried out i'll go in there and repair it it's not a big deal but what really 
aggravates me is I've only had two plumbing leaks in this house and both in the same area. Last time, which was probably say 2005, 2006, it was a hot water line. This time it's a cold water line, but when it was a hot water line, it was a gushing leak. So I found it right away. I don't know how long this thing was leaking, at least a few months I would gather. Yeah. But it's like one of those things where it drips like once every, you know, couple of minutes, Mm -hmm. you know, so it never did come through. So I could never see on the other side of the wall or downstairs that it was leaking. Is the hot water leak the reason you had an access panel? already in place yeah yeah that's not really an act yeah i did post a picture of it on instagram it's Mm -hmm. not really a an access panel it's where they cut to fix the hot water leak and i just uh, and i put a piece of plywood over it (laughs) that's a good thing for behind an appliance if that's the access to where those things happen perfect exactly yeah Yeah. that's an access panel it may not be like you know pretty but it's an access yeah Yeah, it's not a pretty you know one it's one i made in the shop oh i got some uh i I think it's like three sixteen inch plywood i just cut it uh screwed it into the studs on either side so yeah hey it works you, you did yourself a favor doing that. Um, yeah, I might actually have to increase the hole a little bit to fix what I got to fix. <laughs> a bigger piece of plywood to, to patch. Well, no, no, I think the plywood will still cover it. Hopefully. Oh, that's good. Anyway. That's good. Oversized on the first go. Well done. Yeah. Well done. Yeah. You, as you say, you can get more plywood if you have to. It's not, yes. not the end of the world. <laughs> have you seen the prices of plywood these days? Mm. Well, you just have to use walnut plywood. You, you don't want to buy construction yeah. grade. Yeah, exactly. I, exactly. Just, I just heard. Uh, it was a four by eight sheet of Baltic in California went for 200 bucks. Mm, I wouldn't doubt it. Yeah. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Just, yeah. I mean, I, it was always pricey, but not like that. I, I got two sheets. I got a three quarter sheet and a, um, and a half inch sheet, the five by five stuff. And I'm hanging on to that. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to wait another couple of months and then throw those on eBay and see where I can get them. <laughs> that's your nest mm-hmm. egg. That's right. That's my investment strategy <laughs> right there. Two, two sheets of plywood. <laughs> well, so Matt, so what are you working on in your shop? Well, I'm, uh, you know, running a backdoor plywood grift if you're interested. <laughs> okay, fantastic. <laughs> Got about yeah, 860 awesome. sheets of pre-finished one side maple. All um, right. Going for about 185 bucks a sheet. So there you go. Undercut come on them. down. Undercut them. Do it. We are definitely feeling that for sure. Uh, okay. It, I, I do uh I do a bunch of work with a buddy up in Bath, Maine, uh, Josh Goodman from beneath beneath the bark woodworking in mm-hmm. West Bath, Maine. Uh, I now call him the cabinet maker of Bath. He is slowly has taken over that entire town, which is awesome. Uh, so in my off time, I go up there and make work with him sometimes. And we've done projects together f- since we finished trade school together, two thousand and one. Uh, but we've been going back and forth. I hear him on the phone ordering things and getting us ready maybe for the next round and everybody knows them like, well, Bill, you know, I heard you might've had 20 sheets over there. Can we just <laughs> have 10, just 10? That'd be great. And yep. could we have like 10 half inch sheets too? Could it have finish on both sides? That would be awesome. <laughs> and then could we not send back like four delaminated things that also come in the pile? Now, I mean that with love, <laughs> it happens. They're in the middle. Who wants to sort it all out? We'll do that. But uh, <laughs> things have definitely changed from about, three and a half or four years ago, but, mm. um, so what's going do? on? And I'm sorry. I was going to ask, what do y'all do for, um, for like patterns when this is going on? What do you use for most of the pattern work I make ends up on like, we use, I, 
I use the cover sheets that come on those big lifts of plywood a lot of the time. When it comes from the factory, they cover it with like an eighth inch sheet of whateverness that's kicking around. Yeah. Might not even have any corners on it. And I've been, we've been, well, hoarding is a strong word. We've been, uh, I've, I've been uh, curating quite a few sheets of eighth inch and it's everything. It could be Luan. It could be, I've got a couple of random pieces of Baltic in there. It's got all kinds of different veneers on it, but mostly I use the eighth inch stuff. It's a little easier to trace and fair and get the edges good and all that. And then, then I might take that, that might get like transferred onto something thicker. It might like make flush cut patterns off of it or machining patterns off of that. But, and then I keep the eighth inch stuff that would like, let's say it was like a turning, a turning uh, piece mm -hmm. or something. So I'd, I'd make the pattern on the, on the eighth inch ply and, or draft it on paper probably and get it onto the eighth inch ply. And I should mention, this is like the medieval method. Um, <laughs> and, and then I would, then we go to the lathe, make the part, and then I'd have an extra two or three that would either get hung on the wall as a trophy or left for inspiration for another shot mate or something like that. And then the eighth inch pattern would just go along for the ride. So I can date it and hook it on there and it just goes yep, on a nail okay. somewhere. Okay. Yep. And, cool. and for other, I've, I've learned uh, over the year, just speaking of patterns, just off the cuff, we are chatting the other day about, we have a, kind of a smaller little CNC machine in our in our cabinet making program in North Bennett. And it's been fun kind of playing around. Our master cabinet maker enjoys kind of, he's uh, helping students make, we got a bunch of plastic clocks to put up all over the school. There's quite a few of them, like more than 50. So he's taken it on to replace every single one of those plastic clocks with a bricked, turned, molded, veneered frame. And then he'll buy the lens and then he'll help you draw the roman numerals on it and then we we're cutting the hands in the on the cnc which was kind of fun uh then he found another way to get hands going or something they were like rubbing on the glass and not keeping perfect time which definitely annoys him uh but i think he's got so he we have our fourth semester students sign up for that and we usually get the entire group in on it so we can at least make four or five clocks at a go and once you kind of catch on that maybe you might leave yours behind, you'll probably brick another one and make one to take home. But uh, we've been making our way through the school. So one day you'll go into your office and it'll be that plastic clock that you remember from when you were in like elementary school. The big ones, it's like, you know, it's probably yeah. 18 inches, 20 inches in diameter. And then you come back in the next day with like the molded edged mahogany veneered little something up there. So oh, that's cool. Kind of playing around with that stuff. But the funny part, my my the folks that I used to use for CNC work quite a bit, he would say it would start with like, Matt, I can make you any geometric pattern in a snap. And that's that's like not a bad thing. I mean, to like make a round piece of MDF that's whatever diameter it needs to be, that's a thing. That can be a, you know, can be an hour or two to to even go find the trammel and the bit and do all that stuff and maybe swing a router or um however it's getting made. And so I started with that and then finally he was like, are you taking these back to your shop and like double stick taping them onto like real wood and like running routers around them and like flush cutting off of them and then like molding them? Why don't you just make the blanks and bring them over? Yeah. <laughs> and like, well, how do you do the moldings? Like, well, just tell me what you want and I'll get a bit. And, and then he gives me the bits back. They're like router bits sometimes. And like, wow, you like ground the entire bearing off of it. Like, well, you want me to do this. That's what we're going to do. So it's uh, been an ongoing. And that was, that's like, I'm talking about stuff we did almost a decade ago. Um, this was, uh, it's an ongoing learning experience. But there's a joke running around my, my student's shop right now at North Bennett. Like, what does CNC really stand for? I'll, I'll, I'll throw that question out to the group. What does it stand for? Uh, computer numeric numeric um 
Control. Numerated control. control. Yeah. Numerated or control. Yeah. Cannot uh, carve. <laughs> cannot carve. Cannot carve. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. That's and fair. this came, this was first quoted by one of my 19-year-old students, so I kind of can't let it can't let it go. Um, <laughs> but on the other hand, it definitely can carve if you give it the opportunity. Um, but so that's been fun kind of playing around with that stuff. But stuff going on in my shop. Um, I have taken on two new shop mates in the last since July of this year. Uh, so we're up to six. And I I should mention I started in my basement with like 875 square feet. And we now all six of us are occupying it's a I think a little under three thousand square feet. It sounds wow. like unbelievable. I could take another three thousand and fill it. Um mm -hmm. but and it's been awesome. Uh we myself and my shopmate Lori from North Bennett signed a lease together uh in 2001 and we've been in that same space since oh that's and, fantastic yeah and we've uh we have myself just counting the North Bennett Street grads there are four 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 North Bennett Street grads one is still a student and has another year uh we have uh Lynn Szymanski. uh she comes from the University of San Diego program with Wendy Mariuma from back in the day mm -hmm. uh and she was also an educator part of the New Hampshire Furniture Masters and that kind of stuff uh and another uh uh architectural mill worker and carpenter good buddy from a really long time ago so um but yeah we've gone from four to six so it's been a little bit of a not growing pains but just kind of figuring out how it's all going to flow and yeah. But I've been occupying two of those bench spaces by myself, so it's nice to kind of give one back to the shop. And yeah. and they're active. They're, it's, it's really, really nice to have active folks in there do, making work. So the last two years, I've been teaching full-time every day, five days a week in Boston, um, just to kind of help out with the crisis. I, I had come on as a part-time educator, uh, and this is my now fifth year uh, in the full-time programs mm -hmm. at North Bennett Street. Um, so it literally went from every day six days a week to three days a week to no days a week and then back to right. uh back to now i'm back to part-time okay and, uh which has been a definitely a, a i think a good kind of return to that i i, I don't want to i hate i love to teach so much i don't want to stop doing that mm -hmm. and i really enjoy the students and i think we have a good good vibe going so i just want to I, I always learn something every day i learn something yeah. or i see something that like oh right i should put that in the catalog um and and also being around the folks that I get to work with, it's uh, it's it's an interesting dynamic. On one hand, I think it's a, it's a ton of fun to kind of kick back and chat and think about like like how many folks do I know that work with that are famous, or how many folks do I work with every day with that I just wouldn't want to work with with I just want it that can't not be that way. Um, mm -hmm. Those are the folks that I work with at at school. It's uh it's a quite a team, quite a dynamic team. It's a ton of fun. Um, well, but we that's just right. finished. So I'm oh, sorry, sorry. Go ahead. So, so that's River City Furniture. That all the stuff that you're doing. Uh, yes, that's my own. There. That's my own private business. Yeah. And so, in that shop space, I, I'm just the man. River City Furniture Making is the management. They're the. Yeah. It's my own one person band that has mm -hmm. been going on since January of 2000. Yeah. And um, so it it runs the shop. It carries the shop lease and all the shop insurance and all that stuff. And it's. I mean, it sounds a little bit. It sounds much more grandiose and bigger than it really is. It's really just me and a DBA checking account. <laughs> um, right. But at the end of the day, it's uh, I I I don't know. I can't say enough about it. It was a it was kind of a strange thing. I would I would walk. I would commute from New Ham. I live in Portsmouth, New Hampshire, um, and I would commute from there to Boston on the train. 
and I would a bunch of us would drive well, a bunch a couple three of us would drive to Haverhill Massachusetts and then get on the commuter rail and commute into Boston mm-hmm. and when I was getting off the train every day five days a week I would walk underneath this billiard bar sign that says River City Billiards now of course every listener and all y'all know exactly what that meant I didn't know what that meant until I decided that I was going to be River City furniture making and but I'm not the con man coming into your town that like wants to open a billiard hall and steal all your children. Um, but coincidentally, that's how it happened. Um, yeah. And I, you know, I live. In, I was born. I was born in Portsmouth, New Hampshire, and uh, both of my grandfathers and one of my uncles came up at the shipyard, and it's always been the River City to me. So yeah, um, that was the other half of that. But. What well, would have been fitting if you were taking a monorail into uh, Boston? True. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. But I, I didn't get my own joke until about five years later. Yeah. But uh, and I, I, considering there's only one of me, one of the my favorite things to do is to collaborate with others. Uh, and this is that's the project that we just finished. It's just it it didn't take a year to make, but it took a year to bring it all together and make hmm. it. Uh, it's a big uh, fraternity crest for a for a fairly uh, large and well-to-do uh, African American fraternity, and mm-hmm. the original one that was made by a member was lost. And mm-hmm. so, out of the blue, I get uh, I have a friend that comes up from Washington D.C. He works for the National Park Service, mm-hmm. and we went to trade school together. He would send me these wild videos or pictures, like, "Where are you? What <laughs> window are you looking in?" Like. He's like, oh, that's the Oval Office. Check it out. Yeah, Look yeah. in there. Like, yeah. oh, you're a bit. It's like I'm out doing the windows. So he mm. there. He was part of that that preservation carpentry outfit that went all the way around and abated and redid every single window in the White House and wow. in and at uh oh gosh at Arlington Cemetery as well. Mm. And so he would come up and recruit in our preservation carpentry group and right. and then he and I would always go have lunch and stuff. And it was one of those weird like if if you ever need anything bizarre, just give a call and <laughs> we could do something like, so I, I kind of think about my work. It, it is uh, a little bit of uh, someone told me, I don't know, maybe a year ago, like, we'll just call you. How about just well-rounded? That's what we'll call you. <laughs> yeah. it's, not, it's not, I'm not a master of that or, a, or, a, or, a, or, or this, or I, I wouldn't call myself a chair maker per se, but I've made a pile of Windsors. I've made a pile mm. of joint chairs, probably way more than those, way more of those than the Windsors. Um, Someone said something like, well, I know it's less than 500, but we're definitely creeping into the 300 mark, I think, for the wow. seated elements. Mm. Um, but when we had opportunities to make like 40 at a go, and that definitely kind of takes some chunks off the list pretty fast. Oh, yes. Um, yes. And But at the same time, kind of coming from the basement to the bigger shop and then realizing that if I want to do these other projects, I, I need others to do it with. It's not... Mm. If I've learned one thing at trade school, and it's this, it's kind of, it's kind of, might be a little strange to say, but I'm going to stick with the 18th century model, meaning I'm good at this, you're good at that, and you're good at that, and together mm-hmm. we want to get together and make a lot of work. So right. I yep. tell my students like, it's okay if you can't turn, it's totally okay, because there's a lot of folks out there that are really great turners and they'll happily help you. Mm-hmm. Or you know, you take on a few balusters or you know, commission a few Windsors or something like that, and you can maybe you know, knock out a few eight legs at a time instead of 250 legs at a time. Um, but we just, so we just finished that crest and there was a, another wood carver involved that helped with all the designs and did probably 85 or 90% of the actual carving work. Uh, 
We, there's a gilder involved who also works in the lower mill section from where our shop is. Uh, and me, a stained glass person. And then there, we're going to take it from, I still have it. Uh, it'll go get photographed hopefully in the next week. And then it's going to make its way. The crate is made. Everything is ready to go to get packed. They're going to come up and, and get it so they can see it all kind of get put back into the crate mm -hmm. so they can actually visually see it. Um, it's got a shield there's there's lighting around it these are things i've never actually tried before in my own work so there's wow. led lighting and batteries and stained glass and all kinds of things that light up um it would fit inside like a four by four foot square to give you an idea okay yeah i was going to ask you about and how big it was yeah it's about on in kind of a, a cross-section view it probably stacks about a little under 11 inches tall it's probably nine inches tall uh, the, it has a giant wreath of laurel leaves that go all the way around, like a like kind of the the uh, the um, what am I trying to say, like part of the, like the Grecian the right like, more like a Spartan kind of thing or something. Um, with the it's everything is is uh, is part of their group. So every the leaves mean things. There's a mm. it's wrapped in silk in the bottom. It has crossed swords. It has a helmet at the top, uh, and shields in the middle, and then a glove that kind of is suspended underneath and. Our master cabinet maker at North Bennett Street, Lance Patterson, I bought the wood from him to make it. So it came out of one piece of 12 quarter mahogany, 23 and a half inches wide, 24 inches wide, and 12 feet long. And mm -hmm. everything got kind of segmented into round shapes and carved all the way around. Um, and it's kind of full size. Like they're definitely yeah. real swords. <laughs> and <Yeah. laughs> where, where are they going to install it at? I, I believe uh, that's a, so, that is a question. Um, so it's going to be interior or exterior. It'll, it's completely interior. It is. Okay. It, it it is a varnish coating. Everything's designed. It's it's water gilded, which is mm -hmm. unbelievably durable outside. Yeah. Um, it is designed to go into like onto a onto a vehicle and be mm. paraded around or carried around. Oh, okay, um, cool. But we made yeah. a we made a support stand so it could come out and be placed and be viewed at events. Mm -hmm. uh, and they're going to do some a very big unveiling in the fall so but it's yeah. off to the case maker in connecticut that's its next stop so it's yeah. my assumption is it's going to go to the anvil place and they're going to scan it and make a make a uh, make a perfectly fitted box for it so it'll hold the stand and hold the rig um then we put some trackery devices in it and stuff so we don't misplace it the other one got misplaced so yeah. oh no this is the replacement model um but the group has been amazing to work with mm -hmm. it's uh that's again probably as I've gotten older and made more things, it, I'm learning that the work is the work and I'm, I'm definitely in on it. I, I, I've been thinking about like, well, what does it all mean? And I'm just thinking about, we just continue to do good work mm -hmm. uh, and quality work. And, but I'm, I'm enjoying more of the interaction part, the meet the clients, learn about them, yeah. figure out how everything kind of plugs in and how we can provide a service. I remember a long time ago, someone said, remember, you get in the service business, so you got to be good yeah. with it. Mm -hmm. And that's been a big part of it. Um, well, I've been making drawings. I've got a, quite a few projects coming yeah. up and it, we've been in design mode. So, yeah, well, hopefully their Greek system is a little bit more, um, respectful than the one I went to in college because we would still, <laughs> that, that, we saw something like that. Oh, that's ours. We're stealing that. Yeah. <laughs> they, uh, we had, they had the realization that like, wow, um, you might want to put like an air tag, bury one of those in there or something they, like there that. There are four of them in there. Okay. <laughs> I learned you can only track, only one device can get hooked to each one of those things. So we got one for every officer in there. Okay. Um, but at the end of the day, they had that moment, the last meeting I had with them, like, wow, we're actually going to give this to 19-year-old 
young people. So mm. would you mind writing us a value sheet so we can ensure it like the old, like the antiques roadshow kind of thing. So just yeah. to make sure everything's above board, but it's been, it was, a, it's been an incredible, incredible experience. It's been over the top. I've learned a ton about how to manage, how to keep everybody on task. And at the same time, how to be creative and how to put my voice in it too, and make sure that it, it isn't just me finding folks to just plug in and do the work. So it's been, it's been a ton of fun. No, it's but super cool. That that is cool. super unique. I I I don't even. We're. I was joking with my shopmate Lynn, who is an artist and a craftsperson and a, and does really really nice things. And she's like, you know, what have you learned? Like, well, I I, I can sand a laurel leaf. I'll tell you what. But <laughs> how do you take that and like plug it into the next thing? I mean, we I, we spend a lot of time right, like building foundational skills. Like, I'm gonna mm -hmm. do this. I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna figure out how to do that. And I might bend something or turn something or fit something, mm -hmm. veneer something, and there's really none of that going on. Mm. And it like, well, what did you learn? Well, I, well, I learned that I should be faster at things. And I learned that maybe, it, I don't know, could be yeah. Yeah. just really nothing I can plug in. Like, what'd you do yesterday? Like, I made a shield. What did you do? Yeah, exactly. Right. It's got swords. What did you do? But well, and now I, I just want to make bow and arrows or something. I don't know, make up. For right, it, more weapons. Exactly. Yeah. We're moving yes, into yeah. chest of drawers next. That's our next stop. I have a, I, I, I mentor and teach on weekends sometimes. and. I have a, a good friend. We do Aikido together. He's my dentist, and I and he's uh, an apprentice woodworker with me on Sundays. So we're gonna make a chest of drawers and a and a bookcase for his daughter. So he, oh, I think, it, cool. to quote him is like, "You should double dip. I'll come on Sundays and I'll help you." Like <laughs> that would be great. So yeah, nice. that's the next collaboration on the list. And I do some work for a, a designer in Boston, so she's got a bunch of stuff on the on on the list to do. So that'll mm. be next. But part time. Part-time at school, part-time at the okay. shop, full-time uh -huh. all the time. Well, so. well, as far as um, what would you think your design style is as far as what you're doing at River City Furniture? Is it just basically whatever the client needs? For the most part. Yeah. Uh, and and I was, I was thinking about that today and mm -hmm. some of the other questions I might get asked. And on one hand, we're, I was trained to not so much copy 18th century, but we can emulate 18th century with mm -hmm. the idea that it, it represents that that moment in history of of maybe our best handmade work. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I like the idea of, and I'm not, I should say, I'm not a designer. I was not mm -hmm. trained as a designer. Um, I, I like to look at old work and help make it new again. Mm -hmm. I like to get opinions from the client, look at space, and then... I would like to at least maybe build it in a traditional way. Um, and I'm not saying that like, like we we're kind of talking about in the beginning, uh, I have a domino machine. It's tucked under the workbench at North Bennett street. It definitely has purpose. Mm -hmm. um, it's a great mitery spliny kind of tool and why not bring it to bear on those kinds of activities. We're trained to solve problems. So that's part of a, it's a solution set to me a little quicker than any other way to maybe do it. But I, I like the idea that I can look at a, even a contemporary piece and or a modern piece for lack of a better phrase and and maybe build it in a way that i can maybe spend that 250 year guarantee on it or have something that in the process of putting it together i can still meet the one criteria which is just to continue to do good quality work mm -hmm. uh, and and i like to uh i i kind of i'm not the i'm not the at the workbench all day by hand um I do have some other, I have a, I have a half of the shop is the machine space and the other half is the bench space. Um, when you were talking about the air conditioner and the, and the dishwasher, mm -hmm. my, my awesome modern table saw made in 2000 
is the thing that I can't seemingly keep running every day. Oh, no. um, I just replaced, I just had the motor fixed for the first time. I had to actually take a motor out of a machine and bring it somewhere to repair it. But a capacitor exploded and it still was not the problem. But here's one for the listeners. If it has grease fittings on the motor, you can put grease in there once every year and that's mm. it. Because after that, it's going to fill the switches inside that motor and the motor's going to fail. Mm. And that's what happened to me. So, but mm. I got to bring the switch to school and we have, we're actually doing machine maintenance this whole week. That's part of my, my, uh, my offering to the students. Mm -hmm. And so I got to show the broken part, kind of what not to do, but the grease superheats and the switch won't close or open. So the oh, saw blade yeah. is running forward a little bit, then running backward a little bit, then running forward a little <laughs> bit, but making that, making that <laughs> torturous electrical motor hum sound that Ooh. you never want to hear. Yeah. And it makes me feel a lot better about my lack of maintenance. I, I, I've got to say, I've, I've had a to-do item, like grease the tools in the shop. Like, you know, maybe I need to look and see when was the last time I did it and just put it off a little longer. A little longer. <laughs> yep. A little longer. And Everything else in, in our space is made from about 1953 back and other than the bearings on the shaper and they just happen to be, you know, about 48 or 50 years old. So they probably needed to come out. That was the only sure. other thing we really touched. But it's been an ongoing, seemingly like I get new shop mates and all of a sudden everything is broken. And yeah. like this machine they're going to get drawn to the most. This is our Paramatic 66 10-inch saw. So everyone wants to be on it. We have mm -hmm. another Northfield 18. It's a little bit frightening if you're not used to it. and uh, so eight days go by and you're like realizing like, wow, we haven't turned, we haven't, we can't, we need to get this back right away. So that's been the, that's been the last uh, few weeks, but I'm excited to actually turn it on and cut things now and, and, and get back to work. Yeah. I haven't, I haven't really been, I haven't really been flying the sawdust on my own. It's been more yeah. finish up the shield stuff, get everything ready. Um, and then do does, the does your old Northfield have any like sliding attachments? Yes. Yeah. Yes. It's yeah. uh it's the number four with the slider. Okay. It, uh, What's its spec? It's 18 by 46. Wow. The sliding yeah. table. And you can yeah. extend it all the way out towards you. It'll it'll cantilever out easily 38 of those 46 inches. Mm -hmm. um, we have these weird poles that hold up the rest of the building that are in our space. And one of those poles, I try to like collect machinery around them. They're about right. 10 feet apart. After a while, I don't even, you don't, I don't really see them anymore. Yeah. Um, but they're on like they can appear like around a bandsaw or, or our milling equipment surrounds one so I can bring power down and dust collection down. Mm -hmm. uh, there's one right next to that saw. So the panel can be 28 and a quarter inches wide. That's the widest if it's longer than five feet. Um, yeah. And it'll hit the pole. But there are other ways. We <laughs> yeah, can get around exactly. the pole. But, uh, we've been doing machine maintenance with my students and they always want to hear about uh, what's in your shop. What are the, what's the equipment that you have? And, uh, and the, the Northfield stuff has definitely served well. And I've been, it's, I've been, it's been nice to be able to purchase it used. This is quite a few years back, easily 2004, five, six, we were making most of those buys. Mm -hmm. um, but we have one of their, one of their table saws, the, the number four with the slider. We have one of their 36 inch band saws. Uh, we have one of their medium duty one and a quarter spindle shapers and, and that's it. But oh. there are a few, definitely a few other items in there, but, uh, those are the, those are the three Vista green flagship machines. Oh man. Well, that makes me jealous, but, uh, <laughs> a yeah. little bit, a little bit, a little bit, a little it's, bit. Yeah. It's been an ongoing yeah, yeah. conservation effort. <laughs> I, I can imagine. I can imagine, but yeah, that's, a, that's one thing. I get if I were to upgrade any three machines, uh, w at least one of them would be to get a bigger bandsaw. So, mm -hmm. yep, 
Yeah, but I'll probably keep the smaller one too. But absolutely, we yeah, have a 14 have inch in the yeah. bench. That's the electric handsaw. Score yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it solves but, a lot of problems really quickly. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. When when folks ask me, it's a it's a question. I I, I do a lot of machine woodworking stuff. Mm -hmm. um, not necessarily at my own workspace, but for everybody else. Um, that's a lot of the stuff I did for fine woodworking with the maintenance work and um, for those those videos. And I, I do a lot of that stuff with my students. So there's a, tons of questions about like, what do I buy? Where do I go? What should I get first? And I thought for a long, long time, like, how can you do work without a table saw? But my answer now is 14 inch bandsaw on a mobile base with 110 power. You mm -hmm. wheel that sucker in between that washer and dryer, whether it's leaking or not. Yeah. <laughs> and wheel it right back out and make work and wheel it right back. And you can definitely trick that thing into thinking that it's much cooler than it really is. Yep, mm -hmm. yeah. And it can definitely do some stuff. We had some, had some few students kind of, they were making workbenches at the end and making some fairly reasonable dovetails off of the bandsaw with a wedge stick. So mm -hmm. I thought that was kind of clever. But in my mind, that saw represents like every creative outlet I could have in the, in the trade that I can make her work, that I can saw shapes, that I can do things that the table saw, I can make the table saw do some of that too, but that I can, I don't know, that's like my Maloofian moment, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah, I've seen Maloof at the bandsaw. That's a scary proposition sometimes. When you have to write in corners, like don't try this at home, yeah. in a magazine that all we want you to do is try it at right home, at home. <laughs> that's, maybe, that's a, maybe that's a sign. But he was quite a character, he's a really nice guy. Yes, yeah. yes. That's what I've heard. Yeah. So uh, so who's your customer base for uh, River City? Is it uh, just... Um... It has been a gambit of... Okay. When I first finished, well, I should say I was... We have a workshop. It was called the workshop program when I was mm -hmm. a student. Uh, we call it continuing education now. And I think we're in the process of even rebranding that. Uh, but I had an opportunity to start teaching and assisting workshops at North Bennett Street about halfway through my time as a student. Mm -hmm. And and I was just assisting and helping out and filling in for substitute teaching, actually, for another student who couldn't be the assistant. And once I started teaching my own classes, especially the machine woodworking class in particular, uh, I would bring my book in on Wednesdays, and it would be a week-long thing. And I kind of just let everybody know as we were going along. Uh, as folks were interested in what I was working on or what I was making, mm -hmm. like I'll bring my book in. And this is literally, this is non-digital. This is like lay out the portfolio on the right. table, flip through. And it, it just seemed to kind of catch on. My advertisement was the fact that you considered me in this moment, an expert in this field, <laughs> at least, at least enough to come and try it with me. Mm -hmm. uh, and that spurred, that spurred the business, truly spurred the business. And it, it has gone completely word of mouth since then. Um, and every, it started with like, I kept meeting these students that became clients, that became friends, that became more clients, that became more friends and so on and so on. And I felt like I could, it was like, I couldn't stop it for a while. It was like every, it, every class I taught, something would happen. Like literally mm -hmm. someone would come up at the end and like, I think we finally found the person to make our dining room set. Right. And those are, to me, those are commissions you could maybe wait your entire quiet career to do. Um, we've had quite a few of those. And, mm -hmm. uh, and I've, again, I'm realizing now those those relationships that started and the folks that I got to work with are a little even more exciting than the work that we did. But I've got stuff kind of all over everywhere. There's work I've made in California and Colorado, mm -hmm. uh, all over New York City, all over Connecticut. 
which mm -hmm. I think is connected to New York City in some way. Mm -hmm. um, some we have clients down south in Maryland. We have clients in Florida. Uh, and this group, it's they're every they're all over the the fraternity group is all over the world. Uh, yep. We were zooming all over, literally all over the country, and there were folks chiming in from Europe to make sure everything was going forward. Um, but that they're they're they are tend to be professionals in their own life. They tend to mm -hmm. be tactile humans who like to be around cabinet makers and woodworkers. They most of them have their own wood shops. Mm -hmm. I would help them set up, and then I would make all their chairs, or I would help them get going and yeah. then I'd make all their kids chairs. Yeah. Uh, and that's been going on for a while until I, until I committed to school part-time. Yeah. Uh, once that started, uh, then it was, then the collaborations became more of a thing. Mm -hmm. I started to pass work off a little bit and I would come swing back around to it, help with design, help with client management, and then come back around and maybe put my touch on it. Uh, my good friend, Josh up in, up in Bath, that's how he and I started our businesses kind of together. He, he's an unbelievably dynamic and smart guy, really, really good in the shop. And I could put anything in front of him and we could figure out together how to make it. So I tell my students now, one of keep track of your group. That's the best Rolodex you could ever have. And don't be afraid to add more folks to that Rolodex. But remember the skills. One of the one of you in this group is going to be a monster of the midway. You're going to get more work than you know what to do with. It's good to have folks help you do it and have have folks. So you never have to say no. You can just keep the funnel going and keep everybody occupied and keep the kind of keep the throughput going. But I would find I would get work design design uh, more architectural things, uh, kitchen cabinets, uh, mm -hmm. all kinds of built-in work, all kinds of architectural millwork, and then Josh and I would go at it together. And mm -hmm. now the kind of the best part of that relationship is he's it's reversed now because as soon as I went back to school, that whole funnel kind of stopped or that 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 ongoing quest of me selling work for everybody definitely slowed down. So he's been he's been great. He's kind of kind of brought me back into the fold. And I've been heard I've been called the summer help every once in a while. That's all right. I'll take it. It's nice. It's just nice to go up, put the hearing protection on and just turn the shape around and go. And then yeah. we'll shut it off at noon, have a sandwich and turn it back on and run it till four. Um, yeah. And I like I like that part of it, too. But I would say mm -hmm. back to that kind of that that comment about someone made about being well wound, well rounded. I love architectural millwork. I came up as a carpenter. I came up building residential mm -hmm. homes all over everywhere. And once I figured out that I could be a part of that finishing style of work, that kind of my I should say also my father, my grandfather, his brother. They're all woodworkers in some way. Um, I'm the I'm the only one that decided I sh that it should be like all the time, uh, yeah. and like have it be a part of like my W two and stuff like that, uh, or I guess be a professional. Yeah. Um, and I just it just fell right out of my head. I'm embarrassed. Um, <laughs> no, that's fine. But there is uh, no no there there yeah I I like milling. Um, that's one of my Zen moments is just making boards. Yes. Four square. Flat. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And I can just sit there and be at the joiner and the planer yes. all day long doing Absolutely. that. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I tell my students too, like yeah. milling's good. If you're yes. milling, that means two things might have happened. You might have just delivered and got paid. Mm -hmm. You might have also just got a new contract and yep. got uh, got a deposit. Mm -hmm. And now mm -hmm. we're going to cut some stuff and get back on track. But yep. but so I always say yes to the architectural millwork. And I've had mm -hmm. some really awesome opportunities. Like uh, we I've done work for the for the Scottish Rite Lexington, Massachusetts Museum and Library. That was last year. And we actually just spoke and we're going to ramp up again and do the whole other side of the library and museum. Mm -hmm. And it's just it's truly just 
baseboard and case and and some crown and some chair rail and except mm-hmm. probably around 3000 linear feet of each piece <laughs> uh but those again that's like the hunker down and go for it i i i like it i don't mind it i like it and and i can do it all in house i don't i can take care of the knives i can take care of the mm-hmm. machinery and the material and have that all happen right within our own shop space so that's kind of nice and design build which i think is the what everyone in uh who kind of comes out of north bend street at least in the beginning or any other woodworking school for right. that matter uh maybe would like to do uh maybe do their own style or their own work um it was never for me that was never really about that it was more about that service part of it it was more about you already know what you like my job is to help you bring it to life and then put my spin on it, make it sure it can last, make sure it's kind of the right things and proportionally mm-hmm. pleasing. But uh, at the end of the day, it's more, it's, I'm, I'm not the voice. They're the voice. I'm the interpreter. I'm the, I'm the technician maybe sometimes um, the one that can kind of bring it all together. And, and most of the time they just, can we just come over to the shop and see it like in, in certain kind of stages, that was always a big part of it when I was doing it every single day. But yeah. In between, yeah. So it's kind of a the trident of woodworking. A little bit of architectural millwork, <laughs> a little bit of yep. design build, and a little bit of uh, woodworking service. I guess, for lack of a better phrase. Yeah, that's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Well, well, tell us about North Bennett Street School. Now, you've been an instructor there, like you said, for a number of years, both full time and now part time. So, what's it like being an instructor there? And uh, well, what are you? Um, what's your I guess you're you're teaching um, classes that you, the classes that you're teaching and so forth. I am nervous and anxious to go there every day. Like, okay. like, do I know enough? Mm-hmm. Can I yeah. make sure that what I have to offer is going to be enough to make sure that they can go out and do it? Mm-hmm. And and everyone kind of have a, has a different look at what they want to do. But as far as after school, but that and we talk about it every day at lunch. Our our master cabinet maker, um, he's seventy. He'll be seventy nine next year. So he's seventy eight years old. He's been there for forty two years. He's taught wow. everyone in the faculty. Yeah, we were all his students. And <laughs> when you come back and you teach, so, so he, he can just walk through a room and side eye going, "You're doing it." Pretty wrong. much, pretty <laughs> much. And he, if he's not into it, he's the yeah. first one to let you know. He's and that's yeah. that's kind of a broad brush, but he yeah. also he takes a lot of time with us and make sure that we are, he's more than willing to, he'll just sit you down and get his pencil out and he'll just explain. And then we can Mm -hmm. both go teach it. And whenever he's got something going on and I'm not directly busy, I'm definitely ghosting him and I'm nearby and I want to see how he does it and how he moves around and how he thinks about his tools and his, at his own bench and kind of what he does in the machine room. Um, And, and yeah, he's been, he's been a part of that, ongoing training so so yes it's nervous to go there at the same time i have to pinch myself every day when i'm on the train like are you kidding me i'm gonna go to this place and do this thing and talk about this stuff and you're gonna pay me money to do that that's fantastic and all the folks that i've met everything that we get to do um it's and i should say we have the also we we have the biggest program in the school there are over 40 students we have now five instructors at least on wednesdays uh, mm-hmm. When I went through the program, we had three instructors were full-time and there was one part-time person that was there on Mondays and Tuesdays with 30 students. So it doesn't seem like 10 would like tip the scale, but it definitely changes the entire day. Um, 
So we also now are kind of more like a regular higher education place. Like we have like blocked out semesters and like regular like times where you're at Thanksgiving and things like that. Like it's mm-hmm. more like a regular school. Um, we would just keep working until folks told us to go home uh, <laughs> back when we went through. But it so it's I it's more I get uh, with part time now. I I I need to back up a little bit. During COVID changed everything uh right. as far as our how we did stuff so we yeah. went from none of us had groups that we were responsible for we just called it you just float you just walk the room until someone grabs you we we don't necessarily have a we have a curriculum but we don't have like okay at 2 30 i need you to be in this classroom and we're going to discuss secret miter dovetails okay. um Ooh. it's more about it's every we have a foundation yeah. we have a fundamentals portion we do a ton of drafting in the beginning um and depending how how kind of well everyone handles that and stomachs that because it can be arduous at times uh that tells us when we'll start our fundamental cycle that we'll do once or twice a week and meaning we'll start with usually we'll start with some sort of flat edge tool sharpening and by this day i want your one inch chisel to be able to work so we can do these exercises and then we'll go into the maybe the hand planes and I'll need your number four and eventually we'll get your number seven running and we'll use those for these exercises upgoing. So we have instructors that manage that part when we went when we went into isolation and when we were when we came back and were separated into pods and semesters, I ended up with the second semester group. And because of the work with fine woodworking and the toolbox stuff, that's what I did with all the students for two years. And mm-hmm. I did other work mm-hmm. as well with everyone. I was still responsible for the machine maintenance course, uh, which is now required and, uh, and, and, a, and a steady, steady part of our curriculum. I do that every other semester. And, yeah. but so we'll, well, we'll build, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I was always jealous about the, uh, the toolbox project. Cause it's like a rite of passage. At it it is school. a yeah. little bit. It's one of the <laughs> only things that you can say if you're a part of that place that you have, or that you did in some way, yeah. it's one of the things that has not, I should say that was, that hasn't changed since Phil Lowe ran the program. He, he was the one that brought that project to light. That was one of the things I learned in the historical kind of yep. backlog of bringing the, bringing it out to the public and showing everyone what we did or what we do. Uh, yeah. But Phil yeah, I've, been to a num- that- I've been to a number of woodworking classes. I've had members in North Bennett Street School, uh, you know, teaching or assisting. And all the time, it's like, yes, this is my toolbox. <laughs> <laughs> there are many like it, but this one is mine. It's mine. Yes, <laughs> yes, yep. exactly. Yep. Uh, and so that's what I that's what I mostly yeah. did during that during that time. And it was mm-hmm. on one hand, it was really good because I got to focus on like four things and the four things being drafting the toolbox, working the toolbox, reviewing the toolbox. And then we have a, we call the proficiency test at the end of the toolbox. And you make a dovetailed box that looks very similar to a shaker style candle box with a sliding lid. And you'll, you'll produce all the parts with the machinery in the, in the semi-modern way, but then everything else will get cut by hand. So you'll cut all the joints by hand, you'll fare the inside faces by hand, and then you'll leave it dry fitted together and then we sit with you, we take it apart, we look at it. Uh, that's one of Lance's things. And it's actually Lance's drawing, Lance's project. And I mm-hmm. tell the students to scare the heck out of them sometimes a little bit. Like it was my, it was kind of my, uh, my standards when you built the toolbox, your standards as you're learning, maybe what standards need to be. And, but it's my critique as we're going along, but this box 
it's the drawings made by Lance. You don't make the drawing. And when you don't make the drawing, sometimes you don't connect your hands and your brain and your heart to the project. Uh, and so it's an interesting thing. It's supposed to represent around one day's work. And so they have, we have the students keep their time on it. And that's just kind of their, that's the other half of the rite of passage. You just never get to see that in books. It just mm -hmm. gets tucked aside. Um, but so that was what I was responsible for, for almost two years. And now going back and so we have, you know, obviously things are opened up. Things are a lot, not nicer and a little bit and a lot better at least. Um, and I have to remind myself and my students that I'm not your second semester, necessarily your second semester instructor anymore. You, <laughs> there, are, there are four other folks and they're dying to help you. And so uh, that's been a little bit of a transition, but it's nice. It's, it's good to be able to go back and, and like, ah, oh, I get to like visit this student or work on this project. So I get to do 40 projects at the same time in my head mm -hmm. and then kind of help with samples and help with that, help bring that stuff to life at the same time. So maybe that's why the collaboration thing fits me so, so well, I think. Yes. It's part of it too. Mm, yeah. Yeah, I definitely think so. Well, uh, don't get um, me wrong. I, I like working alone too. I'm much faster with the architectural work by myself. It uh, yeah. and it's really not that fun. So, yeah. or it might not be as fun for others. <laughs> <laughs> well, before we close out with your time, I would not. Uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you about your your uh, work with Fine Woodworking mm -hmm. Magazine and all the contributions you've made to them. So, tell us a little bit about that. It. It randomly started a really, really long time ago. I, I, I've only written one article for them. And mm -hmm. it was, I think, on surface prep. And it was, again, sort of a little bit of a rite of passage when you're new. That's usually what you'll do, some kind of uh, something along that line. Show, kind of show us what mm -hmm. you know, show us what you can do. And, and, that, and that came and went and got involved in some other things and kind of didn't put fine, working, fine woodworking aside. It was more just as they were kind of developing what they wanted to do next. And I don't know how the, I want to say they approached North Bennett Street about the toolbox idea. They were thinking mm -hmm. maybe um, we were also trying to consider how we could maybe come out of the 19th century at least and like join the internet and join <laughs> the world in that way. And, yeah. and maybe uh, if I had a nickel for as many times as I taught a, a continuing ed class and someone would say, do you have a video about this? Mm -hmm. Like, <laughs> no, we don't actually. And and we still don't, but at the same time, mm -hmm. uh, when they when Fine Woodworking asked us, we're like, huh, what does it mean to like open the doors and Yep. show everybody like what we do and there were, and i have to be honest there were folks that are like i don't think we should do it and mm -hmm. i think we should be able to come here and see it here and and when we batted back and forth and there was a lot of discussion that had nothing to do with me all of this happened behind the, the scenes and and all in very positive ways it was never like why did you even ask they were we were it was an ongoing awesome thing we're just trying to figure yep. out how we could all plug it together and make it really good for the magazine and also really good for us when yeah. in that process of sharing. So we figured it out. And then uh, Miguel Gomez Ibanez came upstairs and he was the past president of the school. Randomly, mm -hmm. he and I also went to the school at the same time. He was in the group ahead of me. And yeah, I remember he gave uh, the keynote speech at one of the fine woodworking lives a few yep. years ago. Yeah. Yep. Mm -hmm. Super talented guy. Really, mm -hmm. really good guy and loves North Bennett street. Every, yeah. every, Thing he does is kind of generated towards that mm -hmm. place um and he moved us he moved our building from the old ancient thing to the new place where it is now on north street so it's a, right. it's quite a change for us it's been really really good um and then and 
So Miguel came upstairs one day. He's like, so which one do you want to do the toolbox video? And everyone left the room except me, kind of. And then <laughs> kind of like, no, no, no. We don't like the cameras. We don't like that. Yeah. We don't want to do that. And mm. again, I had no idea what was going to happen. And truly, I think Ben Strano had no idea what was going to happen, which is probably <laughs> the other most wonderful thing about it. Uh, and when we were talking back and forth and he came to the school and visited and I, we walked around and I showed him the book that I give to the students. It's like a three eighths thick inch thing that, that describes everything that you do. And he's like, do you really think we can do this? Like, I, I'm going with what you think. I, I'll cut and make whatever you want. I, I'm just, yeah, I think we can do it. And his videographer, Jeff, who I'm, his last name is failing me. And also unbelievable guy, really, really good in the room with the camera. And I think he made it both he and Ben, but it was mm -hmm. Jeff's hand at the end that like made that look like a million bucks. I think it was, that was a big part. He had like tracks and rolly things yeah. and it was really, really cool. But when it started, and we were just kind of kicking it back and forth. And I asked Ben, like, so how should I be ready? What should I do? And he said, well, I need to do this. We'll have some of this going and we'll maybe bring some boards and you'll have a drawing and then we'll just go. I'm like, okay. Okay. And at the time, one of my shop mates did a bunch of backdoor production work for the, uh, for the Tommy Mac TV show when it was mm -hmm. running. Yeah. And uh, who also was a, both of them are North Bennett Street folks. Yeah. And so he said, you know what, I'll help you get going. And that's, we should do it in a little bit of a different way. It's the cooking show. You just haven't ever done a cooking show before. So <laughs> you have to have everything already cooked and you just got to figure out a way to reheat it. So I went, we spent two weeks at my shop getting everything ready to go to the cooking show. Yeah. And, um, so it started with, all right, so I have a, I have a box that's, I have a, I have panels that I can make a dovetail box with but they're glued mm. together, but not dimensioned. Then I have a box that's dovetailed together that's dry fitted with no dados. Then I have a right. box that's glued together with dados cut with a divider in it so that I can at least take one out and show you that this is what we're gonna work on today. Mm -hmm. And by the end of the week, I wanna say they had more than a terabyte of video. Mm -hmm. Like they had to bring in another thing to hook it in. So it might've been even two terabytes of video. Uh, How but many we were cool boxes at that point? <laughs> at the end, I had three. Um, <laughs> okay. but in the beginning I had none and it, it's embarrassing kind of how it started. Uh, and it starts with, we're going to, you know, a little introduction, which we did last. Uh, the thing you see first is the thing that we filmed last. And that's the only thing that was scripted that part where I'm like leaning on the box and like talking about chasing the smudge and all of those kind of stuff. And that took like four hours for me to do that. And it was awkward. And I, it, He's like, nope, we're going to do it again. Say these words, write these <laughs> words down, go back out and say it again. And they were super cool. It's just that part was the hardest thing for me to do. Yeah. I remember that was very challenging. But in the middle, we get the boards out. We do some milling in the beginning. And then we're back in the bench room. And I'm going to start to make panels. And we're going to cut spring joints to start gluing boards together. And I don't think I sharpened my tools since before we even started the other work and, and I'm doing it and they're filming and Ben's looking at me and I'm looking at him and I'm looking at the camera. And then he stops like, do you want to like make that better? Like, uh, yeah. 
That would be awesome. <laughs> like two hours later, we went back to work, but I don't think we filmed any of the sharpening stuff. It's like, get that all prepped. But I didn't even think about it. We've been so focused on the cooking show part that I forgot to bring the knives to the, to yeah. the chef's table. <laughs> <laughs> and, and at the end, they're like, oh, that's not how it's supposed to go. But then yeah. we sharpened up and then shavings were flying and everything was awesome. Yeah. I think the other most rewarding part, not only to get to meet Ben, he took a huge chance on me. Fine Woodworking mm. took a huge chance on me to even put it out there and give that a try. And I think at the end, none of us really knew what it was going to mean to like put it all together. I make it sound like we're building the chapel or something, but at yeah. the end of the day, it was, it was, it was a thing. Um, and even when we were done on that Friday and we're loading up, he's like, well, I'll let you know how it all goes. And it was a thing. They, they, yeah. they, they took a lot of production. They, they, they extended a lot to do it. Mm -hmm. And I think also it, we didn't know at the time what we were actually creating other than the North Bennett street thing. And part of that reward was I, I asked Lance Patterson back and forth. I wanted to have his toolbox in it. I wanted to have it mm. in the back and I wanted to show kind of the evolution of the, as many of the old ones as I get my hands on. So we had at the last, not last minute, but Lance was like, okay, I'll, I will do that. I will bring mine in, but you have to come over and get me. And you have to come here, bring your car so we can drive it over. He doesn't drive. So yeah. went over, got that stuff, brought it back. And then there were students there. So it was like show and tell for like two hours of every file, rasp and thing that he's got in that box. And it's built completely different than what we would do now. It's actually house tapered, dovetailed together. It's not dovetailed at the corners like maybe you would do a regular carcass, and mm -hmm. which makes it unique. But it also makes it buildable. You can build the case in like five hours if you put your mind to it. And at the end of the day, we had his there, mine in the middle, and then one of our recent graduates, uh, Sean Regan, was on the far end. And so he had the most modern box, and it was kind of scaled. We have a, a few parameters now that we kind of put on the students just so we can mm. they can complete it within that 90 to 100-day run, which sounds like a ton of time until you're on day 101 and you're still fitting drawers. Um, <laughs> it's a thing. Uh, so I, I just wanted a, a spread to show everybody and to have that all kind of come together and bring Lance in and he wasn't in, in it, but his work yeah. was in it. And that was, that was really important to me and for the school too, I think. And, and I think what fine woodworking learned um, was that they had a lot of information there, like right. way more separate things that than just the, all the, the, what's the phrase? Like the, the pieces are worth more than the object you get in the end. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Parts are worth more than the whole. whole um, yeah. Like you have an entire video on how to make a drawer. You mm -hmm. have an entire video on how to fit a drawer. It doesn't mm -hmm. matter what we're fitting it into. It's the same process. Right. Um, yeah. Mostly uh, you have a, you have an entire video on making a door. It doesn't have mm -hmm. to have pins in it. It doesn't have to have that piano lock in it. But at the end of the day, I think once they thought, once they figured that they could, and they were offering some of those, those things online via their website, I want to say for like, either free or if you had one of those digital subscriptions, you could watch mm -hmm. any of it that you wanted. Um, I think you had to buy in for the whole toolbox video, but at the same time, uh, you could still log in and watch these snippets as we went. And uh, part of the comments I think that we got the most of was literally me just babbling in between. Like I would be pairing work or doing work and talking about mm -hmm. it and other things kind of at the same time um like the narration i guess was uh not necessarily you could shut the sound off and learn a lot of stuff mm -hmm. um but 
I, I, I guess a lot of the a lot of the the happy critique was was the narration that everyone yeah. liked to hear. So it was a ton of fun. I, it was a ton of work, but it was a ton of fun. So mm. I, I have a grandfathered like unlimited digital subscription, and I and I've seen bits and pieces of a lot of videos, but that toolbox series was the one thing that I watched from beginning to end. And and, it, and like awesome. you said, Thank it, you. it has it has a clear explanation of everything you need to build anything any solid case project with drawers in it i mean and good because it's got the blades mm -hmm. it's got the drawers it's got the box and you know how to draft it how to design it what to think about uh make a door it was it was i was like you know i started watching i was like yeah i just i just watched it all the way through i just awesome binged the whole thing <laughs> and and then i went out and built you know not the same project but just sort of built something similar that suited my needs and um i simplified it a lot but i still was able to cut and fit a set of drawers and uh, mm -hmm. so yeah it was um, awesome it's an that's the whole point project yeah i can't recommend it any more any higher uh than than you know than, than yeah. i am now because it's it's just like you you will learn a ton if you have a membership and you can get out there and see that start watching it you're gonna yeah. learn a lot and i'm also awesome. sure Thank it's you. driven a lot of uh potential new students there to uh, north bennett street you know, being able to see, I think so. being able to see, hey, this is the type of instruction you're going to get. And uh, yeah, if you're choosing between different schools, this might be a little promotional thing out there to say, hey, yep. maybe I'll go to the East Coast and not the West Coast. <laughs> or... Well, and I, and I had an image, I had an idea in my mind of what North Bennett Street was, and it wasn't right. And yeah. watching that video helped me understand that it's it's not what I thought it was. And so... It was one of those things where you know I'm kind of beyond the point where it'll be like 20 more years. I'll have to be Rex. I'll have to be in Rex's position before I can come to North Bennett Street, uh, retired and just you know wanting to really expand my tool set. But um, it was one of those things where I was like, okay, if I was thinking about a school, I would now put North Bennett Street back in because it's not awesome. It's not this. You know, I had this image in my mind. There's this old world. You know, all hand tools. You know, only Chippendale stuff and. And that's not what it is at all. Uh, I mean, it's it's nope. it's skills and techniques, but um, you know, it's just really about being able to make good work. It's not, yes. you know, yes. and, that is and, well said. And, yeah, and you yeah, emulate sure. what you were saying before is like what 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 is kind of considered the peak of hand tool skills in the world, and that's that's what you shoot for is those quality standards. So yeah, I was um, pleasantly surprised that you know everything in that video so awesome thank you thank you thank you part of the pitch just to kind of icing on that cake that you just baked at the other cooking show <laughs> part of part of our response to the magazine and to also to kind of clarify with the magazine that it is about traditional casework it's not about this is also soothing some of our some of our own critics like why you can't you, why are you showing how do you say this, like your opinion about the old way? And part of the old way is even though I think in the woodworking trade that I dare say we're probably maybe the of some of the nicest folks that you might come across, like we want to share, <laughs> we want to help, we want to, you know, we want to share patterns, we want to give stuff uh, that's kind of built in, I think, for all of us, it seems like an important thing. Uh, and part of that helping that happen was to describe to the world that it it, yes, it is the thing that we make. It is that part of that rite of passage thing we make. But just like you said, Mark, it's about traditional casework and it's also about good work. And I think that 
those are the two things that we really were trying to hit and and have North Bennett Street in there as well as, again, kind of just the place to celebrate it and not necessarily a, 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 the place that like developed it all. That's definitely is a, the second part, I guess. It was more about to me about how much more work can you make from this information? And that's mm. what we try to do. It. One of my favorite things as a student was watching Will Neptune. We would play carving together after school sometimes. And uh, the joke was like, he's like, I can do it with whatever you put in front of me. Like, okay, do it with this. Okay, do hmm. it with that. And then I brought over one of those, uh, I don't know, eight inch little Jorgensen clamps, orange ones with little, little hmm. wooden handles. He's like, yeah, but I get to use the grinder too. So it goes to the grinder and grinds the end of the clamp. And then he finishes carving my ball and claw foot on my chair as a student with the end of the clamp. <laughs> so at the end of the day, everything is relative. And it yeah. does truly come down to how much you want to practice, how willing you are to go all in and just go do it and see what happens. So Matt, uh, thanks so much. Is there anything else you would like to promote that we hadn't touched on? Um, always North Bennett Street School. And you can find us at edbss.edu. Uh, always my good buddy, Dan Faya, danfaya.com. Please go check mm -hmm. him out. Yeah. Uh, We're going to have him on in a few weeks. So That's what I heard. Yep. Yes. He He's my original mentor. I took a, my first workshop, my first class with him in 1997. So well, well that, fantastic. That was my, that was my kind of my, uh, my father knew about North Bennett Street way before me. And my mom mm -hmm. said, you should go to this workshop with him. So off we went. And that was pretty much, <laughs> that was the end of that. <laughs> uh, That's how it and, all got started. Uh, absolutely. And, yeah. and thank you all for, for thinking of me and having me. Oh, and thanks Rex. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yes. We want to thank exactly. Rex too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We, we have Rex on after every semester so he can tell us, you know, what he learned awesome. and, uh, all the, all the good stuff. So we're kind of getting a blow by blow description of, uh, the uh of his uh experience at north bennett street school excellent. so it's actually it's very 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 unique and rex such a great guy indeed so let's move on to our fortnightly beer choices so i you know, i'll start this off i am drinking uh the galveston causeway grolsch this is by uh, galveston brewing company it's a local brewery here and it's just a german style blonde and it's uh it's absolutely fantastic i've been hitting a lot of the uh Grolsch or Pilsners lately, so I don't know. Maybe I'm ste uh, stepped off that IPA bandwagon for a while. You're Speaking of, it's all right. From summer to to fall, you know, you got to start work your way into the heavier beers. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, so, man, I was I was eyeing some stouts today. I was like, man, not quite, but we're getting there. Yeah, but we're getting there. Well, speaking of IPA bandwagons, Mark, what are you drinking? <laughs> <laughs> well, I I drank my last can of Batswatch, so. Um, oh. So some, you know, sometime in the near future, I have to go in search of another beer. Uh, so we'll see. Maybe, maybe it won't be hazy. But I, I was gonna say a little hazy, a little IPA. You well, know? I just, you know, it's I, 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 I try other beers and I just don't like them as much anymore. You know, and uh, we've got some Oktoberfest in the house, some Sam Adams, okay. and uh, I saw that in the in the store and bought my wife a case because she loves that stuff. But um, I, I may have one of those next week. We'll see yeah all right. all right that's what has been weird is some of our local breweries that have that's always had oktoberfest i have been hard to find and i wonder if they're getting caught up in this co2 um 
I guess, shortage that's going around. I don't know if you'll, I think we mm. talked about that a few weeks ago, but yeah, there's, there's, uh, there's like a CO2 shortage out there. So mm. it's supposed to be rectified sometime this fall, but for right now, a lot of breweries are having a hard time, you know, uh, making their beers. Everybody's got to start just breathing more. <laughs> off, it, off it, ass the CO2. The yeah. yeah. Capture sucking exactly. out of, of us us big mouth breathers. You yeah. Know, doing that I think, <laughs> yeah, I think they can find CO2. It's just that it has to be like food grade CO2 or something like that. I don't know. And uh I don't know. Uh I don't know if my exhale is food grade. Yeah, I don't CO2. know. My I've never been certified. I've why don't no we idea. just switch everything to nitrogen? That's that's those bubbles are so fine and soft. I know, I know. Exactly. I would love that. I would love An, that. a nice firkin, like everything came out of a firkin, it'd be great. Yeah. So Sean, what are you drinking? So in my search of, of something, I uh, I did not pick a, a stout, but I, I did pick up a pumpkin beer because it's coming into fall. You know, it's pumpkin mm -hmm. time. So I think, Kyle, part of your problem is is finding Oktoberfest is that uh, it's the same problem that retail stores have where seasons are starting to blend a little forward of their actual time. You're getting Oktoberfest in August and you're getting pumpkin beers in September and it's yeah. just, it's it's the Christmas trees in Hobby Lobby in, now. <laughs> so you know, you it's, it. it's really yeah. No, you no, no. It. I, <laughs> no, I was, in, I was in, yeah, I was in Lowe's earlier today because I had to pick up some plumbing stuff. And as mm -hmm. soon as I walked in there, nothing but Christmas trees. Mm -hmm. I'm oh like, gosh. what the hell? Which is crazy. We're a month, almost a month away from Halloween, yeah. and they've just abandoned the sales of those things for retail purposes. It's an, it's amazing. I don't, I don't understand this, the industry anyway. So I got Flying Dog, the Imperial, uh, the Fear, sorry, Imperial Pumpkin Ale. It's just called okay. the Fear. It just has a gnarly dog on it. Flying Dog is an Ohio brewery, and um, they do really cool, um, kind of inky. Uh, animation kind of style labels um uh, but it's a good it's a heavy nine percent imperial pumpkin ale um okay. so you're you're saying you buy it for the art that's not, not what's i mean the art i mean i will say i eye catching when i'm walking is something because at this point i've had so many different beers mm -hmm. i'd have yeah. to check my untapped stats but it's probably more than 1500 different beers yes eye catching does a thing you know, mm -hmm. so yes, I mean, and but and that being said, I also appreciate the Dharma white on black label just the same. You know, it's yeah. it's eye catching in a different way. Yes. But um, but yeah, it's 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 October after all, or almost October. Uh, let's start the pumpkin ales. Get get get, get your season nine. If you're a coffee person, go ahead and get your pumpkin spice, whatever, whatever. <laughs> I I'm all for it. Have at it. Matt, how about you? What are you drinking tonight? Tonight, I have abstained just to stay on track. Good man. Okay. <laughs> but I will say, if it has the word farmhouse on it, you can count me in. Mm. And oh, yeah. oh I love I've, a good farmhouse ale. I do. What I've yeah. been uh, curating recently, whenever my local grocery store has it, is One Arm Farmhouse Ale from Hobbs Brewing Company in Ossipy, New Hampshire. Awesome. And ah. it's super good. Four-pack pint cans. Oh, cool. Mm -hmm. And to the tune of even I will even buy it off the warm shelf just to keep it in the basement from when I, you know, <laughs> I did that for mine tonight. Yeah, I was like it. looking for it in the cool, in the cooler, nothing in the cooler. All right. I'll chill it for a few hours. That's fine. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yep. 
but no, a good a good farmhouse that that kind of weedy effervescence. Ooh, mm. yeah. And I like the idea. Like, well, we're on the move, and we're gonna work here. And then we're gonna we're gonna gather all our gear and go down to the next farm. And we're gonna harvest down uh -huh. there. So if you don't have a lid for the barrel, that's okay. If bugs get in it, that's okay. It's actually yep. better. It does it taste a little yep. rotten? You can count me in again. Yeah. Haze <laughs> is for IPA. Yes. Unclear is for farmhouse. There's <laughs> semi translucent. The farmhouses are what got me into the hazy IPAs. Is that awesome. Boulevard you, you, Tank Seven, you know, is oh, yeah. sort of the yeah, gateway yeah. to yeah. the hazy IPAs. So oh, yeah. You, you, Every you once in a while I see class. that at the store too, with the farmhouse mm -hmm. or the uh Tank Seven, right? Is it yeah. Tank Seven? Yeah, mm -hmm. it's their, their farmhouse. Yeah. Yep. Awesome. Well, fantastic. Well, so Matt, so where can folks find you on the interwebs? I have one of these old email-y kind of things, and I, I think I was going to stick to my NBSS one. So you can find me at mwada, W-A-J-D-A, at nbss.edu. All righty. Mark, what about yourself? Uh, you can find me at plate11.com or jointeffort.net. And if uh, you don't want to send me an email, you can send me a message through Instagram at markbuildsit. How about you, Kyle? Uh, you can always find me on Instagram at barton.kyle or bbcustomtools bbcustomtools.com or on youtube under bb custom tools or kyle barton sean what about yourself well per usual you can find me sean w78 on most social medias fantastic so do we have any reviews well we got half a review uh from <laughs> jason burreal i think is how you would pronounce it maybe yeah. jason is waiting to see if we read his review make finish to finish the review so jason your review didn't post properly. Come back and finish it. I want to know what happens at the end of this sentence. But Jason says, I've listened to lots of woodworking podcasts. I didn't know. Uh, and this one consistently delivers great advice without all the juvenile, over-the-top macho humor you get on others. They have excellent guests who are willing to share their experience and aren't shy about telling it like it is. They always keep us up to date in the latest tool innovations, but with a dot, dot, dot. <laughs> every good every good review should end with an ellipsis i mean that is um that is a serious cliffhanger because he you know like yeah in, in all uh, fairness i added the dot 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 i think he probably oh. ran out of characters on the review but yeah uh, I thought you could do cool. like a like a two-page yeah. review if you wanted to but yeah uh so jason we really appreciate your effort in getting us a review, but finish the job, man. Come on, get back out there and uh, and finish your review. You can do a second <laughs> review. Also five. This is a five star review, by the way. I just wanted yeah. to. I didn't say that. I should have. But uh, but yeah, we want to hear the end of your story, Jason. So, Next uh, week, part two. Yes, I hope so. <laughs> I hope he uh, comes back and yes. finishes that up. So uh, yes, if you um, if you want to help us. Uh, if you like this podcast and you want to share it with others, you can just share it directly or you can go out to wherever you get your podcasts and leave a review there. And um, it doesn't matter how many stars. We, we love the reviews. They're fun to read. And that just about wraps it up for this show. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the show on the podcatcher of your choice. Just search for the Modern Woodworkers Association. And while you're there, please leave us a review. You can follow us on Instagram at MWA underscore podcast. And if you'd like to support the podcast, go over to patreon.com slash MWA podcast. But the best thing you can do is tell a friend. Word of mouth goes a long way in sharing our discussion.